Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be here today and to share together today. And as we've just sung, we are here today because we have God who is wonderful, who is beautiful, who is powerful. And so as we come before him today, let's just start and pray again. Um, So will you join me? Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. Thank you that we can praise your name lift your name on high and declare together that there is no one like you, that you are all powerful, that you are Lord of all. How awesome and mighty you are. As we come together this morning, Lord, I ask that you would open up our hearts, my heart included, our ears and our thoughts to be on you alone this morning, that we would be able to recognize your voice, understand the things that you're leading us to do, that we could continue to be or start to be or can and step out to be the people that you've created us to be, to have the faith that you are calling us to have. I thank you for the things that you are doing and the things that you've put on my heart to share And I ask that it would be your words this morning, not mine, that you would get the honour and the glory. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. So we are continuing on today in our Rock Solid series. And a few months ago, we went, our little family went on a weekend trip to Bowen. And if you've been to Bowen before, you'll know that it's beautiful. Yupoon is just as beautiful. But one thing that we went and did in Bowen was there's a few bushwalks that you can do. And we went on this walk. I don't remember what it was called, but you basically walk about one-ish kilometers through some a bush path to this giant boulder, like this huge boulder, taller, twice the size height of my husband, who's quite tall, I think. And and it was huge. So we walked up to see this cool boulder and I had this thought in my head to see if our kids would want to try and push the boulder over, which I knew wasn't able or possible to happen because this thing is just so big. So our kids are five and six and they tried to push it. One of them was a little bit more cautious because what if I push this boulder over? Like that, what would happen? But they pushed it and they couldn't push it over, which we obviously knew was going to happen. And so I said, well, why don't you try a smaller one? Because there's just rocks around the place. So they tried to push this smaller one and they couldn't push it over. And then their daddy, who's so big and strong, also tried to push this one, but it wouldn't move because that's just what these rocks are. You can't move them because they're solid, because they are on, they're just immovable, if that's the right word to use. And we've been talking about this rock-solid faith, this series, and when I think of that, that's kind of where my brain goes back to, this memory of trying to push these rocks over, but we couldn't. And so my question that I start out with this morning is, when you think about faith, when you think about rock-solid faith, what do you think of? 
Do you think of faith that is something that it's not going to budge or move? Do you think of Christ being the foundation that your, your faith is built on, that he's not going to move? Over this series, that's what we've been talking about, this faith. And we've been going through the book of Romans, looking at what faith is, understanding more about faith. And I've been learning so much myself as I've been been part of this series too, and also preparing for this message today. And so we're reading from Romans chapter 4. That's what we're up to in the book of Romans. I am going to backtrack a little bit to Romans 3 just to have a bit more context as we lead in to Romans 4. But as we've been going through, I think I've decided that Romans is on the list of some of my favorite books in the Bible. Does anybody do that? You read through the Bible and then you find different books to add it to your favorites lists. Mine keeps on growing the more I read the Bible. But Romans is such a powerful book, a challenging book, a convicting book, but it's one that is full of truth and grace and shows us what faith is. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So I'm going to be starting in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, which is where Pastor Ron finished off last week looking at faith. And remembering Romans is a letter to the church in Rome. And so we can't just take each chapter as a chapter by itself. We have to go back and read it all together because it's a letter. You don't just read a letter from a friend, just that one little paragraph and don't read the rest. Read the whole thing. So backing, backtracking to Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21, it says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. 
So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Amen. We're going to pause there before we head into chapter 4. These verses are so full of truth and freedom. And what I notice in that passage is this emphasis on faith, believing in Jesus and what he has done, that we are saved through faith in Jesus. It's nothing that we've done. We don't deserve it. It's in Christ Jesus alone by faith. And it is for all people, no matter what we've done, no matter where we are from, this gift of grace and life is available to all people because of Jesus Christ. It's such a precious gift. This is the good news that we get to know and celebrate and live out. We should be celebrating and rejoicing how good it is. And so then Paul goes on to explain a bit more about what this faith is in Romans chapter 4. Paul actually uses examples. He's like, okay, I've told you all about faith in part three or whatever he would call that bit when he was writing it in this part of the letter because it wasn't broken up into chapters and verses like we have it today when he wrote it. But he's just talked about faith and he's giving us an example of faith. And so that's Romans chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. I'm going to pause right there because Paul's example is Abraham. Have you heard of Abraham before? I'm guessing some people have. If you grew up in Sunday school, you may know Father Abraham who had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And if you don't know that, that's okay, because I'm going to kind of give a brief overview of Abraham's life, although there is a lot there. You can read about Abraham back in Genesis, starting just before chapter 12. And it's an amazing life. His journey is amazing. But if you don't know who Abraham is, and even if you do, I want to give us a little bit more context because he is pretty significant. All throughout scripture, we read about the Israelite people or the Jews or the Hebrews. All of these people, they come, stand back to Abraham and his faith in God all those generations ago. See, these are the people who God gave the Ten Commandments to. These are the people who God parted the Red Sea through Moses and they crossed on dry land. These are the people who King David said, God is with us, let's go fight. And he fought Goliath. These are the people of God and it comes back to Abraham. God made big promises to Abraham. 
huge promises that seemed absolutely impossible. And yet Abraham had faith. He believed God. And so if you want to read about him, start at Genesis 12 a little bit before then, and then just keep reading. And you'll find out all about his life. But I'm going to read it from Hebrews chapter 11, because the writer of the book of Hebrews gives us a bit of a condensed version. So Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read it from verses 1 to 3, then 8 to 12, then 17 to 19, just to cover Abraham's life, because there's a whole heap of other people that talks about faith in Hebrews 11. It's another really good chapter if you're looking for a chapter of the Bible to read. Um, but we're just going to focus on Abraham's life. So Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Through their faith, well, that's just what I just read, <laughs> by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we see now, we did not see, did not come from anything that can be seen. Verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac, his one and only son, as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. This is a brief overview of Abraham's life. Abraham was unable to have children. Abraham and his wife were unable to have children. And they didn't have children, and they were old and well on in years that it was physically impossible for them to have children anymore. 
And then God comes to Abraham with this promise saying, you are going to have generations and generations of children after you, a whole nation. And Abraham believed God. And God gave them the son Isaac. And when God said, sacrifice him, Abraham obeyed. Although God did bring a way for Isaac to be out of that. And Isaac lived to carry on that promise that God had given Abraham. So we're going to continue reading on in Romans chapter 4. So that's who Abraham is. So Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of the Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So point one this morning, faith and believing in God is how we are counted as righteous. It's what we just read. And this is huge because what this is saying is that he was counted as righteous not because of any of the good things that he did. Abraham was a pretty good guy. He made some poor choices along the way, but he was a pretty good guy. And he was obedient to God. But what this says, it was by his faith that he believed God, that God counted him as righteous. So when God said, go, Abraham went, not as a, I just want to be obedient and like kind of tick the box of the list of obedient things that I need to do. No, he went because of his faith in God. He went because he believed what God said, and the same applies for us today. Our good deeds are not what make us acceptable to God. We can do all of the things. We can read the Bible again and again and again, but if we don't have faith, then we've missed the point. Now, faith isn't just simply believing that God exists. Faith isn't just simply believing that Jesus walked on this earth. Because there are people that believe that God exists. There are historians that would say Jesus walked on this earth and Jesus was this good guy, but they don't necessarily believe in Jesus. There is a difference. James 2 verse 19 tells us this, you say you have faith, for you believe there is one God, well, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. So you can believe in Jesus, that he existed. You can believe that God is around, but that's not what saves you. It's trusting in him for your salvation. It's believing in what he did for you on the cross, that he died on the cross 
and to forgive us of our sins. And he rose from the dead, conquering and defeating death. It's not about what we do. It's not about how much we serve in church or be a good person, a good citizen in the community. It's about that faith, believing and trusting in what he has done. So Romans 4 verses 4 to 8, it says, When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they've earned. That's common knowledge. You work and then you get your wages. So we do, but faith is not like that. So verse 5, people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. So point two, righteousness is not earned. It's free. Again, we are counted righteous because of our faith in God who forgives Sinners, we cannot earn it. We cannot work for it. That's, it's not a transactional thing. The Bible talks about this a lot. We're read, reading about it right now, but Jesus said it in John 6, 63a. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Our faith in God is faith that Jesus came for me. For you, for the whole world. Continuing on verse 9, now is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous because of his faith or by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Well, clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Now, to understand this, it's back in Genesis again. Circumcision was an outward thing of showing that you are obeying the law. It was part of, I am part of God's people and I'm being obedient. So it was like this following the law. But the thing is, in Genesis 15, God counts Abraham as righteous because of his faith. In Genesis 17, which is after 15, is when the covenant of circumcision was put in place. So he was righteous before the law, before he was obeying the law. So verse 11, continuing on, circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. And they are counted as righteous because of their faith. 
And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment to those who try to obey it. And the only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. And this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Seeing this common theme of faith, being saved by faith, if we could be saved by following the rules, keeping the law, then there would be no need for faith because we would be able to figure it out ourselves and tick off all the things on the lists. But the Bible tells us we can't actually do that. We struggle to do that because no matter how hard we try to keep the law and tick off all the boxes, we're going to miss something. We're not going to get it quite right but it's not based on works. It's based on faith. The promise is received by faith, a free gift. And yet sometimes we still have those thoughts and those attitudes towards salvation, towards a relationship with Jesus today. Like if I do certain things, fill in the blank, then that must make me a righteous person or they're a righteous person because look at how amazing they are with all these things that they do, but it has nothing to do with those things. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. I love that, that Jesus saves us by just faith alone. It's He's done it all, not up to us, not measuring each other according to each other. No, by faith alone. Paul, in this writing, the letter to the church in Rome knows there was that going to be that conversation about circumcised and uncircumcised people and how it was all about keeping the law. He knew that there was going to be conversations about it. That's why he put it in there that Abraham was saved before that or made righteous before that. But in church, I feel like sometimes we can come into this kind of thinking too, like I was baptized, so I must be good. 
I was baptized, so I'm going to heaven, or I was christened, so I'm going to heaven, or I've had communion, so I'm all right. I've done the right things, or one that I know hits home for me is I grew up in a Christian family. Like I went to church every week. I went to Sunday school. I went on the kids' Christian camps. I'm saved because I had the faith of my parents. But that's not what how it works. It's faith, your own faith alone. We can even sometimes think I'm saved because I'm good. I serve all the time. Or I've given everything. But again, it's not our works. It's not those things that save us. It's, it's faith. God's promise is not to do with keeping the law. It's to do with faith. And perhaps you do serve in church and you do a lot in the community or church. And I'm not saying to stop doing that. What I am saying is perhaps we need to examine ourselves and ask, why do I do that? Why do I serve? Why do I want to serve? Is it because I want to make sure I'm ticking off this list that I have somewhere because I need to make sure that I'm doing these things? Or is it because I have faith in God? I believe in the church, in the body of Christ. I want to love him and love others through serving, whether wherever that is. Where, what is our motives? God does not love you any less or any more by the things that you do when you serve. He's not like, oh, you didn't read the Bible this morning, you horrible person. God's not like that. He loves you. He wants to have relationship with us, just as Abraham had relationship with God. The reason he loves it when we read his word is because it's how he speaks to us. It's how we hear from him, grow in Christ-likeness, learn about him. It's not about ticking a box. It's about being with him. Pastor Ron said a few weeks ago that God is our heavenly father, that he is a good, good father, that he gives us all good gifts just as a good parent does. And when a kid, when your kids make a mistake or a choice that you know isn't the best one for them, you don't stop loving them. It might be a little heartbroken or a little disappointed at times, but you don't stop loving them. We never stop loving them, never stop wanting what's best for them. And that's what God is like with us. He loves us so much. He will never stop loving you. And he loves us even more than we can imagine, even more than we can understand. He wants us to come to him and to trust him and to have faith in him because he knows what's best for us. He doesn't want to control us. He leaves the choice to us. But he knows what's best because he loves and he is love. 
The final point is this faith leads to hope. See, when we have this faith in God, when we believe in what he's said, we believe what he's said in his word, believe in what he's done, we receive this new hope. We believe what he's done in the past and the now and the future. We have new hope. And it's not this hope that everything's going to be all right. Because we know from the Bible that everything's not easy or all right in the terms of what we would probably say is all right or what is good. It's this hope that says, I know the one that I've put my trust in. I know the creator of the heavens and the earth. I know the one who made me. And so I have this hope that even if everything around me is not all right, I can say it is well with my soul. That is what hope is. And so Romans 4 verses 18 onwards says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered, believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And this, in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit that it was recorded it was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept on hoping because he had complete faith and trust in God who gave him the promise. And so even when it seems like you have no reason for hope, you can keep on hoping because we have the promise through Jesus of eternal life and relationship with God now. We can hang on to this same hope that Abraham had. And it is this faith and this hope that leads us to obedience. Because when we have faith and complete trust in God and what he has said in his word, then we're going to be doing things. Then we're going to have faith in action we're not going to be able to just focus on the things that I want to do in my life. There are so many things that we could choose to do with our lives, but not all of them are beneficial. Not all of them point to the promise that comes from God alone. If we have this faith, then we are going to want to do what the Word of God says. Then we are going to want to make disciples. Then people are going to want to be baptized. 
is he calls us to be baptized in his word. And we're going to be teaching what the word of God says. And he's the one that's going to do it through us, through you. If we have that faith, if we have that belief in what God has done. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, And I am certain that God who began a good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's exciting. He has plans for us. He invites us to be part of his work. And so when we truly believe in God's word, what he has said, we will have faith like Abraham and we will step out and do the things that he's called us to do. We will have that faith the same as Abraham's faith, even when it seems like there is no hope in a situation. Do we have faith like Abraham? What faith is that? What does that look like? Having that faith like Abraham, the faith that we're called to have, it's a faith that says, God, I don't know where you're leading me, but I trust you, and so I'm going to go with you. It's a faith that says, God, I don't understand how you can physically make this work, but I trust you. It's a faith that says, God, I know that you love me, but I don't quite understand it right now because my circumstances don't necessarily feel that way. But I know what your word says. I know who you are. And so I I'm trusting in you and believing in you, believing that you love me right now. It's a faith that says, God, I don't know why we're going through this, but I trust that you are working all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. Give me the strength to keep on going. It's a faith that says, God, sometimes I feel like I've made too many mistakes for you to save me, but I know what your word says. And I choose to trust what your word says because his word says that he is faithful if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we would come to him, if we would come to him with that faith, the faith of just coming before him with our hearts, whatever is in our heart, because he meets us where we are at and helps us in our faith. It's coming before him, even saying, God, I know that you can do this, but help me in my unbelief. I believe, but help me in my unbelief. He will change your life if you come to him with that kind of faith, believing in what he has done, declaring that he has saved you, that he has risen from the dead. We can celebrate in this new life, in this new hope of eternity that we have. But come to him with 
that faith. Knowing that it's not what we've done or what we do that makes us right with him. It's that relationship with him. So wherever you are at this morning, I invite you or encourage you to step in that faith, that same faith that Abraham had no matter where you are. If he's calling you to go out somewhere, take that step like Abraham did. If you're going through something hard and it seems impossible, take that faith that Abraham had. He is, Jesus is with you. He loves you so much and he is there to walk with us through all things. So let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is truth and that we have so much access to it, that we are able to carry it around with us all the time. Father, forgive us for how we can take your word for granted at times because we know that we need it. We thank you that you speak to us through it, that you reveal yourself to us through it, that we are able to know you because of your word and because of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you tell us that all we have to do is believe, that we can confess with believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and that you've raised him from the dead. Help us to believe that in our hearts. And Father, where there is unbelief, we ask that you would help us with that. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your love that you've poured out for all of us. as we go through different things in our lives, Lord. We thank you that you are always there, ready and willing to help us to be the miracle worker, the healer, the one who goes before and is always working even when we can't see it or understand it. Help us to trust you and to have that faith. May we be people of faith, Believing in you, God. Believing what you say. And so I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.